This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am sitting here today with Crystal Williams. What we're going to do with this series is kind of highlight uh, client journeys, right? And uh, Crystal was a longtime member of Eat to Perform before she became a coach. And so I wanted to let everybody know that she's actually one of the lead coaches here at Eat to Perform so that that um, they understand like the full approach and towards the end we'll we'll get into a little bit of that as well but um, I think right now we have right at 70 coaches and every single one of them started as an eat form client and then afterwards they get certified and 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 then we have a certification process within eat form um, if you're listening to this and all of it sounds really awesome you can simply go to www.eatreform.com and talk through a coach or talk with a coach and they'll give you your exact plan that you'll be looking at and any questions that you have, they're sitting there ready to be answered. Once again, they're, they're Eatreform coaches. They're, they're meant to be able to answer pretty much any question that you might have. Okay, so Crystal, why don't we start with your age, I know it's inappropriate to ask a woman her age, but but uh, I think it's sort of needed in this situation so people have an understanding of what your journey's been like. Uh, well, I'm 27, and it actually took me about two years just to watch my mother-in-law, who was doing the program first, um, before I ever took the leap to jump. And so for those that don't know, um, Crystal, you almost certainly know her mother-in-law, who is Becky Avara, and Becky is the lead coach um, for Eat to Reform, and so obviously a very good uh, role model, and uh, also, you know, it's like a cheat sheet, you know, whenever a family member or my wife does Eat to Reform, it's always nice. Uh, it's kind of interesting when they'll have questions, and, and what do you think about this, and I'm just like, I made this, right? <laughs> so this is not, you know, um, so it's kind of funny in that regard. How long would you say that you did eat form before you, you ended up becoming a, well, actually let's back up. What was your diet history previous to this? Cause obviously you're relatively young in comparison to most eat performers. Um, so I would say that after I got out of high school, um, you know, of course you go into the workforce and your biggest thing is making money. Well, I started out as a server, which the shifts are very long. You're around food all day. So you really just kind of eat what's available to you at this time. Tracking all of that was non-existent for me. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, so I went from being a server into the event industry and I was actually an event coordinator we would go for eight to 12 hour shifts sometimes with, I mean, so much to do in between. You don't think about food. I was naturally an under eater. I had no clue um, how much my calorie intake was, but it became relative to me that my energy was low while working out um, and I couldn't build muscle. And I thought to myself, what, why, what is the missing piece here? 
You know, I've got yeah. the physical activity. I'm sleeping well, but I just don't have energy. And so that kind of solidified, okay, there's something missing and I need to figure out what it is. And that's where Becky came in and said, hey, you know, there's this program. She kind of talked me through it. At the time, I had no idea what she was talking about. So I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. But I watched her and how much she was eating. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm definitely not eating that much at all. So dieting history, I was probably eating anywhere from 700 to maybe 1100 calories a day. It, it was bad. Now, you know, going those long days without food, I remember before I started any diet or anything like that, you know, I would have days like that. Pretty much all my days were like that. And then I ate most of my calories at, at in the evening. Mm -hmm. And um, it is easy to consume um, a lot of calories. Like a lot of people don't think of it. But, you know, if you go out and, you know, you pick up, you know, Mexican food as an example, you know, I mean, in a two-hour session, you can definitely put down, you know, 3,000, 3,500 calories. Was Absolutely. that ever like, was that ever like your situation? I mean, did you get to a point where you would get kind of hungry because you were just under eating most of the time and then occasionally overdo it? Oh yeah. All the time. I would find that, you know, being in the service industry and I dealt with the kitchen a lot, I was eating whatever they had. And so if there were fries back there, we'd eat some fries. If they cooked a burger for me, I'd eat a burger. So there were days when my calorie intake was very inconsistent and I would under eat one day and then I'd overeat the next. But I found that I was eating these larger meals, but they weren't, I, they weren't keeping me full. Yeah. If that makes sense. But I was very stressed out with the job that I wasn't hungry. And I think that had an impact on my metabolism and it led me to drinking a lot of coffee and running basically on fumes the entire right. time. Right. So as a percentage now, as someone who knows what it's like to work out fueled, like what would you say your percentage was when you were working out back in the day? <sighs> Probably I, I've never been afraid of carbs. Um, that has not been an issue for me. So I would definitely say that I was way under on protein. Um, and then I was probably high on fats and then probably somewhere in the middle as far as my carbs go. Yeah. And so, um, but in terms of percentage of workout, like when you did show out, oh. up at the gym, um, what would you say, you know, was it, was it, 60 to 80%? Was it 40%? <laughs> I would definitely say it was probably in the range of 60, 60 yeah. to 70%. Yeah. And, and now fueled is closer to 90, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. I, I absolutely a game changer for me. The minute that I started building up my calories, I mean, at first it was tough. It was very tough because you're going from eating very little and then on some days eating a lot to eating, you know, somewhere in the middle all the time, I was full and I felt great. And now that over time I've built up even more, I'm just, I feel like my workouts are good. I'm actually building muscle and the body composition changes are amazing. 
So for me, the, you're actually bringing up something that is really interesting that affects a large percentage of our clients, right? Is um, when you are on your feet a lot, right? So this was interesting because I used to tell people um, that, you know, one of my secrets was that I was a pacer. And I'm on I'm on the phone a lot with with you know with Becky a lot of the time yes. um, as you well know and um, but uh, but obviously through meetings throughout the day and so what I would normally do is put on my headphones and just sort of pace around the house and not until I had my whoop did I realize the effect that it was having on me so you know I am someone that typically works out in the evenings. Right. And um, what was happening is that I would show up at my workouts and my strain would be at like 13 or 14 um, on, a, on my whoop, which if, if you don't have a whoop, you don't know that's really high. Right. Like like if you can end up with 16 to 18, you know, usually you're going to take at least one rest day. Right. So I yes. was showing up at every CrossFit workout that I was doing, basically at the top end of my range. And so um, I actually had to stop pacing the good majority of the day so that mm -hmm. I could then, you know, show up at these workouts better. Would you say that that's your experience as well, where, where you've been a little bit more conscious? Because I know right now your job's more sedentary. Um, yes. And so is it, is it possible that that actually has allowed you to have more energy going into workouts? Absolutely. Uh, I think that, well, and I've actually started, I don't have a whoop, but I do track my resting heart rate. And so that's kind of how I determine my recovery and also, you know, soreness and things like that. But I find that if just getting up and walking throughout the day, because I'll sit here for, you know, seven or eight hours working on my laptop. And if I can get up, you know, once an hour, walk for 10 minutes, then that's better than, you know, just overexerting myself all day long, like I was doing when I worked events. And so now I feel like in my workouts, I'm more focused. Um, I feel refreshed. And at the end, I'm not bonking. So, and ultimately that's, that's kind of how I determine whether or not it's a good workout. So your workouts, how would you describe them? And are, are there any active things that, that you like to pursue? Yes. Uh, lifting has always been a big passion of mine. I, I'm 5'7". Um, when I came to the program, I was weighing in at probably about 130 pounds. And so I was relatively lean. But like you said, muscle was lacking and... Um, so I like to incorporate rowing and I love the stair climber. I'm not a big runner. I, it hurts my knees and my back. Um, so as far as my passion go, it would definitely be lifting. Yeah. And I mean, any hiking, you know, any, oh. any um, like activities that you do that you enjoy? Yes. Uh, I like to kayak. Um, Hiking is definitely one of them. We don't have a lot of hills here in Texas, so it's very just flat land hikes, which is great. But when we take trips to Colorado, 
then that's of course more altitude and you know elevation and everything like that so I feel like I do even good there not as yeah. well as I could if I lived somewhere where you know there were places to hike like that all the time but yeah it was interesting when when I was in California um you know I've been to mountainous places like you're talking about where Colorado and 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 uh you know the Appalachians or whatever and um those are different experiences like California has mountains um but we were able to find mountains that weren't so challenging and they were mm -hmm. gradual up I actually went with uh each form client longtime client um on the hike and and I think she actually was so she's like an adventure racer and so oh, I, th wow. I think she I think she went light on my wife and I, um, and so she was like leading the pace, but uh, you know she she never got so far ahead of us. Um, yes. But we were able, you know, I mean, we were active and things of this nature. But when you talk about adventure racing, that's that's kind of a next level. And then we were hiking right next to the Pacific, uh, the the Pacific Ocean, you know. So we we had these great views the whole time. Oh it was yeah. Just, it was just a blast, but yeah, I, I, I like, I like hiking a lot. I actually think that, um, you know, if we ever do move anywhere, um, hiking is just one of those, it, once you're doing it, you really like it a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's challenging enough. It, it you know, it's going to build your legs obviously, and you can hold on to muscle. I don't, you know, I, I'm one of these people that has like a interesting relationship with weightlifting. Like I, mm -hmm. it kind of comes and goes. And, yes. and when it, when it goes, I, I let it go. Right. Yeah. And so, so what often ends up happening is that, you know, um, well, I'm pretty smart about it. I've had to learn to be smart where, you know, I'll come back, you know, I've, I've deadlifted up to 500 pounds and, and I'll, when I come back, I'll start as low as 255, you know, because yeah. the way that I, the way that I feel about it is if I'm going to, if I'm going to continue moving in that direction, I'll eventually get strong enough to where, where it's a little bit more challenging. But if you start at challenging, not yeah. only are you, yeah, you're potentially could injure yourself and, and things of this nature. So I, I want to kind of keep the, the coaching stuff towards the end, because I think okay. it's sort of interesting, right? Once you, once you see files of people, you know, it's, it's one of those interesting things in terms of success. And, and you see like the people who are having success and, mm -hmm. and the people that struggle with some pitfalls here and there. Looking back to when you first started Eat and Perform, what would you say was your, so, okay, so I'm going to back up for just a second. So you said you're 130, and what do you weigh now, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> I weigh 144. Okay, so was it difficult to get past that, because, you know, the whole uh, muscle weighs more than fat and it's like, yes. yeah, or fat weighs more <laughs> than muscle. It's like, it, it doesn't, but it does look different, right? It, absolutely. And was that a mental challenge? I mean, you know, cause I know a lot of times if somebody was at 130 as an example, they really want to be at like 126 
-hmm. and they want to kind of have a little wiggle room so they they can eat freely as your weight started going up did did that bother you mentally you know no it didn't um I think the only time that it really actually hit me that my weight was moving up was putting on pants and I mean the pants being super tight which I think that it more so bothered me because I don't like to shop and I knew I had to go buy some new pants, but it it didn't bother me as much as, you know, some clients and other folks, because I liked the way that I looked. I liked the energy. The energy to me was the make or break. And at that point, I just didn't care. I was like, I've under eaten for so long and I didn't have any energy. It made an impact on my mental health just from day to day. So I was like, you know what? The scale can be moving all at once too. I'm seeing progression and I know that progression is happening because I can feel my metabolism revving up. So I'm just going to put that aside and not worry about it because weight will always fluctuate. And that's, as a woman, I've seen it multiple times. As you said, with files, you see it all the time. Weight will continue to fluctuate no matter what we do because we live our lives. Well, I think also like, you know, even five, seven, one forty four is really lean, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we probably have thought processes, but you know, I mean, even let's say five, two, one seventy, it kind of depends on, you know, what your genetics are, right? For yes. a lot of people, that's actually very normal weight. You know, like I live here in Minnesota. My, I basically just described my whole wife's family and they're, mm-hmm. they're all very healthy, right? And so I think it's really highly dependent. But I also think that you're, you're the exception and not the rule, right? Yes. Like I think, I think once people kind of hit those, you know, if they were 125, they hit that 130, they sort of freak out a little bit. Yes. I'm sure you're familiar. Yes. Um, and the same thing with 140. But the reality is, is based on, so when you said your pants got tighter, do you mean in the waist? Because like a lot of people, you know, as their, as their weight goes up, like if they're doing like a lot of lower body activity, their quads will grow. And so all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's a lot tighter on the thighs, but. Well, and that's, that's it right there. It was, it was the thighs and the butt for me. I mean, but yeah. I am very, my legs, my lower body is definitely where I excel. And so I knew that that was the reason behind it. Um, and so that made it a little uncomfortable, but you know, once you buy new pants and you put your pants on, then it's no big deal. It's, it's something you just work through and you move fast. Yeah. I think you're actually bringing up sort of something that's always intrigued me, right. Is, is someone say, you know, my, my pants aren't fitting. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, if you bought pants too small for what your genetics are eventually, right? I mean, it's very common, you know, that when you're 22 and you're highly active and, and you can eat whatever you want and, and things of this nature. Um, do you have any kids? I do not, no. Okay. And so so that's another factor, right? So yes. a lot of women that... that um, have kids will gain weight. Um, a lot of times, mo- most people don't know this, but 
you know, you can actually put on a good amount of muscle up to nine pounds of muscle during pregnancy. And so, you know, you certainly would want to lose that muscle if you didn't need to. Right. Exactly. And so, um, I think what happens is, is that we kind of get in our heads what we should weigh and, mm-hmm. and how we should weigh that and, and, and this and that. And, and the reality is like, you're saying that, that, you know, it kind of depends on what your goals are in that moment and actually weighing a little bit more, having a little bit more muscle. I mean, the, it's not a secret, right. That, yes. you know, to, to, you know, it's kind of the answer to your question earlier of why you wouldn't have been gaining muscle. If you don't eat at a little bit of a surplus every now and again, which is why the days undulate with each perform, you're not going to get to that surplus to build muscle. Right. And so, you know, we try to do it, um, in a, in obviously a relatively conservative way where it's more like recomp, but, you know, at the end of the day, weighing more does help. Right. Yes. Um, and, and so that's something, uh, so now that you've been doing eat before for a number of years, what would you say is the big takeaway, right? And, and walk people a little bit through kind of some of the performance cycles and, and just what, what your views are just on a client side, not necessarily from a coach's perspective. Okay. So, um, one thing that was very interesting to me was having a six weeks fat loss cycle. Now, you know, a lot of times when you think dieting, people diet for way longer than that, especially if you're hopping from, you know, one diet to another diet, it's very easy to prolong that time frame. So minimizing those to six weeks, I think is very beneficial. But I think the biggest thing for me as a client was the buildup afterwards. Now, you know, you can go and you can find a deficit cycle almost anywhere. But the difference with each perform is that you're not just in a a deficit cycle and then they go, okay, well, you lost the weight, you know, you can go now. But it's more of a, hey, okay, we've been at this deficit cycle for six weeks now. Let's, let's start to bring those calories back. Let's start to get things regulating as they should. And so, you know, and people want to go, oh, I'm hungry, bunch of food. Let me just, you know, shove it all in. But it's that slow process to actually build your calories back up that I find was very interesting. And to me, it just made sense. You know, your body has been under eating and you can't just throw everything all at it at once, especially your digestive system. You know, you got to give it some time to work it back up again. And to me, that was the most interesting takeaway. And that's ultimately what your metabolism is, right? So like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, when we talk about like plateaus, right, people think about it and they go, yeah, it kind of makes sense that my body would adjust as I eat less and less and less what they don't realize is that their body adjusts the other way too. Yes. Right. And so, so as they start to eat more, as they gradually add more food, the metabolism is going to uptick. And, you know, when we say normalized food, you know, we'll have people that lose 30 to 40 pounds. Right. And then 
within that 30 to 40 pounds, they, you know, obviously were, were in a deficit for a really long time, but they might've been over consuming to get to that point. So let's yes. say for a woman, if you were over consuming a calorie average of about 3,200 calories, well, that's not your normal calories, right? right. But your normal calories is certainly more than say 1,200 or 1,100, which a lot of people come to us eating, right? Because they mm -hmm. get to this place like you described where, where they feel trapped, you know? Um, and, and one of the local professors, uh, Amy Mann, um, not Amy Mann, Tracy Mann, sorry, Amy Mann <laughs> is a singer, but, uh, Tracy Mann, she really talked about that. That's the business model for most dieting where, where they show you the dieting part, but they don't show mm -hmm. you the part where, where things go back to normal. And so, so like I said, normal, probably not 3,200, but you know, if we can get you from, let's say 1200 to 2000, 2200, 2400, a lot of people really don't know what they're capable of staying weight stable. And even, even in the case, like you're describing, you know, if somebody, you know, um, loses 40 to 50 pounds and they decide, Hey, you know, they ended up at 130, but they land at 144, but their body looks different. They have more muscle, things of this nature. That's a good trade-off, right? If you started Absolutely. at 180, you land at 130, you know. Um, so we'll get to, let's get to the, to the coaching side a little bit because I'm, I'm interested to, to contrast the success that you see as a coach, right? And, and what you did, right? So what would you say were some strengths of, of what you did in the beginning? And what would you say are things that, you know, if, you know, just seeing all the files you see each day, you know, what is it that, that you were doing good and what is it that you could have done a little bit better? I think that when I started, obviously, like I said before, tracking was definitely um, not something that I even knew about. So starting out as a coach, I definitely could have tracked better. Um, and when I say that, I mean consistency from day to day, because it's very easy to stay on track, you know, Monday through Friday. And then you've got Saturday and Sunday where you don't know. <laughs> um, and so that could definitely have been an area that I could have improved on um, as a client. But as a coach, I feel like now I have just a more in-depth relationship with my food. Um, and I feel like that can resonate to clients. And, you know, this being a virtual company, it's very hard to have some conversations with clients about, you know, things that they can improve on um, and things that, you know, they're successful at. And so I feel like if I can just put my own knowledge into that, then that only helps. And especially yeah. when I have clients that are under eaters, I'm like, oh, I got you because I have been there and trust me, my heart goes out to you. <laughs> and then, and I mean, for those that don't know, you know, uh, eating form is rarely someone's first diet right? Yes. We're, we're typically someone's 15th diet, mm -hmm. you know? And so helping people kind of negotiate 
you know, the under eating, but also kind of moving things back to normal and then kind of using the cycles to, to get lean. Um, it's interesting what you said about tracking. Um, when you would have started, you know, I would say even back five years or so, um, a, lot, a lot of people weren't comfortable with tracking mm -hmm. and now everybody's comfortable with tracking, you know, like uh, customer service used to be a giant headache because you were just trying to get people to log food in general. Now people come to us knowing how to log food. And um, the other thing I'm, I'm always going to make a case for is, um, you know, especially if you're new, the best advice you can get is just to plan the day before, you know, Absolutely. especially if you're trying to be serious right out the gate. You know, one of the things that, that, that Crystal was describing, what our coach would have walked her through at that point is that you go, well, why is it important to be consistent? Why is it important to be green? It's important because that's what we make all of our adjustments based on, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're making it based on how your body is responding. So if you have three or four days where, you know, you're not tracking well, and then three or four days where you do track well, well, we only have incomplete information. Now we can, we can usually do some things with that, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of hard to know. I mean, obviously we know if people eat less, things are better. But the problem is, is that the lower you get, the quicker you get, the quicker your body adjusts, which is why we try to do it in, in slower phases, right? And for most people, I think that they think they have a bigger problem than they do. And so if you came to us and let's say that, you know, you thought you were eating bad, but maybe your calorie average was about 1900, you know, if you have one or two days that are, you know, kind of off plan, it's really going to affect things a lot for that person. Now, the person at 3,200, they could probably be a little bit more flexible and see results, right? But for the people that, you know, already ran a tight ship, already had salads, you know, those are the people that are going to be a little bit different. So that planning the day before, especially if you're new, that is like the ultimate cheat. Um, what are other things that you see as a coach within client files that, that you know, you think would be enlightening to people? Um, you know, one thing that I see a lot is people that are overtraining and they you know, don't take into account that they need to recover as well, whether that be sleep, a rest day, or, you know, just simple lists for a day versus going balls to the wall. And I think that that's something that people have to pay attention to, especially when it comes to their weight, because you've got cortisol and you've got all that other stuff that intertwines in with that. Yeah. And I think the, the, you know, the thing that really does make a difference, um, well, so here's a good example, right? So there was a post in the group today and the person did gains train, which is like a hour and a half workout if you do mm -hmm. it the way it's designed, you know, you can modify and, and do some adjustments. And then they also ran and they're in fat loss too. And they're wondering why they're lightheaded, 
right? Oh, and yes. it's like, it's like um, a lot of the times when you do that, um, you're actually kind of sabotaging, you know, I think, I think, I think the, the logic in all of us um, goes, the more I can do and the least I can eat, the better result I'll have. Yes. And what, what we see in virtually every file is that the people that do what I just described actually lose less weight, right? And that if you can move to more of lists, especially in those moments, and maybe keep the weightlifting in, in place, but kind of modify down. I mean, people act like, you know, it's a death sentence if they have yes. to do that. And it's just like, look, we're talking about two weeks, you know, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe three weeks in this instance, you know, and, you know, the other thing too, that I see people make mistakes on is they immediately modify things down. It's like, well, you don't need mm -hmm. to, right. You want to take as many advantages as you can. But I think, I think the, the interesting thing about all of this is just, you know, logically we all think do more, eat as little as possible, and then let's be done with all this. Right. Yes. And, and they have to kind of slow down that, that mentality. Right. And what's interesting, and I think you see this, you know, certainly I know we do, uh, you know, I do um, also, but in almost every weight loss case, right? They talk about you know, anywhere from a half pound to two pounds, depending on how much weight you have to lose. And even though we don't drastically pull calories down, we still get that or better. In fact, you know, most people that come to us over consuming in six weeks, they will often lose anywhere from 10 to 15 pounds. So a lot of the times when someone you know, comes to us and, and gets really frustrated because, you know, the three to four weeks in and, and we pull them out of a cycle. What they don't know is that they could get a whole lot more and they don't have to bang themselves, bang their head against a rock to try and get weight that just isn't coming. Right. They've yes. just been dieting for, for too long. And um, and so that's, that's really interesting, but I think from our standpoint, you know, we've seen it with thousands of clients, so it just makes it kind of easier in that regard. Um, any other things that, that, that you can think of from a, from a coaching perspective that you see that, um, you know, um, well, let, let's, obviously we've been talking a lot about fat loss in this process. Um, even though for the most part, you're really not in fat loss, right? Nope. Um, I stay in PR. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, so talk about your, your PR experience. Talk about like what you see people struggling with, with PR and, and just juxtapose that over your situation. And I will say a lot of people are going to listen to this and they'll go, well, of course she's 27. You know, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, yes, you have some advantages that that women that are 57 don't have. But part of the reason why those women that are 57, they don't have those advantages is because they didn't take they didn't take a smart approach like you're taking right now. Yes. So walk us through some of the 
the PR things that, that you think are interesting? So for me, I was never worried about the scale. Um, but for those that are, I think that the thing that they struggle with throughout PR is motivation. I mean, in fat loss, you have, you feel like you have something that you're working towards and you can see those changes by seeing the scale drop. Um, so for them, it's very discouraging to see even a small weight fluctuation of we'll say three to six pounds, uh, which, you know, could be water and things of that nature. But I think that PR has the biggest advantage. If you come into that cycle with a good mindset. And I mean, there are many things to be working towards in PR, whether it's training related, weight stability, or, you know, just building up your calories to enjoy your day-to-day -day life. And PR gives you that comfort of going to those celebrations, going to those vacations to be able to let loose a bit. And I think that that's something that's very overlooked uh, when it comes to PR, because PR is amazing. I mean, to me, that's home. So I think that that's just something that clients struggle with. And if they could just, you know, get into that mindset that this could be something great, then it will be. It absolutely will be. You put in the work, you put in the effort, you will get the results. Yeah. And I mean, let's be real, you know, effort does play a big part of this, you know, so if you're in fat loss and you're doing what the lady in the group did, right? Just burning the candle at both ends. And then in PR, you let off the gas, you're doing it in reverse order, yep. right? And so, so that really is so important. I do, you know, it is, you, you can't talk about bringing food back without bringing in, um, you know, macros going up, right? Um, weight potentially going up, but so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bias what you're going to say. A lot of people are gonna think, well, she already knows what he would say, but like, what do you see in files, right? As people's calories are starting to go up, you know, um, is it is it, you know, the twenty calories? Um, or the 20 grams of carbohydrates, or what do you see that affects people's weight more as they move towards normal calories? You know, as you bring food back, your options widen. And so you think, okay, maybe I can eat this food. I can eat this food. And one thing that I see very, very often is blowing that sodium out of the water. Um, and you know, sodium's a tricky thing. Yes, it's water weight and yes, we can work to flush it out, but sometimes we can't release all of it and clients struggle with, you know, that scale moving up, but that is the nature of over-consuming. Whether you're over-consuming macros, whether you're over-consuming sodium, it, you know, it's kind of a gamble, but I think a lot of times clients look at it and go, oh, it's the calories. It's the calories. But I think that that's just the mindset that society has kind of ingrained in us. And if you can just break out of that, then, you know, that 0.6 or that pound that it went up, it won't bother you as much. 
Okay, so you went in a great direction. Um, the the sodium thing is really interesting, right? So so I was in California for a month and a half, and it was really hot. And mm-hmm. I would lose up to three pounds um, anytime I would play pickleball for a number of hours, right? Two, three hours. And you're drinking a lot of water, and you're trying to get electrolytes in but you're, you're losing weight. And then when now I'm here in Minnesota and I'm playing temperature controlled and having maybe a little bit more sodium in my water, but I don't actually drink that much more water, but my weight's a little bit higher, right? Because I'm not releasing all that sodium. So like right. sodium is one of these things. People think we're anti-sodium. We're not anti-sodium. Not you know, it's just, it's just, if you're active, you're going to need a lot more. And if you're, you're inactive, you know, I mean, people say, well, you know, I don't see sodium as a problem and I don't know why you perform see sodium as a problem. We don't see sodium as a problem. What we see as a problem is you're going, I can't figure out why my weight is up. And then all of a sudden we look in your sodiums at 4,500, right? And mm-hmm. you might not be working out to absorb 4,500, Right. And so, you know, if you're, you know, it's very rare that someone, you know, we're going to bring up sodium if your weight's stable. Right. But if your weight is starting to drift on you, that's what a little bit of the accountability is, was about. So I was kind of trying to coach you in the direction (laughs) of, of um, what we normally see. And I think when I say this, you're going to agree. What we normally see as it relates to weight gain is not the gradual comeback of the calories. It's the moments that you don't control with the calories. It's the trip to Vegas. It's Nana's cream pie for, you know, all of Thanksgiving weekend, right? And then what happens a lot in that situation, so like, for instance, if you're in fat loss, you would normally... um you, you would you would get things back in order really quickly, right? Well, in PR, you might try to exercise a little bit more and then that kind of doesn't work, you know? And then there's three or four days where there's no logging and we kind of don't know why. Um, there's no scale update, right? And we don't know why. Um, that is how people gain four and five pounds. It, it, it doesn't happen like gradually as, as 20 grams of carbohydrates comes in, it happens on that trip to, to Vegas where you're enjoying life. And, and one of the things that, I think there's two situations, right? I think there's your situation, you know, where you, know, you have someone that's been kind of underfeeding for a long time and now their weight is probably where their normal weight would normally be, right? And I think also, I mean, this you might not love this one, but I think we can expect that your weight is going to continue to go up as you age, right? Definitely. I mean, you're naturally you're naturally going to put on more muscle and stuff like that. I think for us being able to see that daily um, really helps. But the other thing that we see daily is that the people that really work on their intake and the people that really work on building that muscle, or even in the case of you know. Um, we do call it performance and, 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 and it's performance slash recomp, right? 
Right. And the recomp side is more weightlifting as you're trying to build muscle. But performance is kind of like that, you know, what I see as an example is um, when I'm playing pickleball, which is an endurance sport, um, that my fellow opponents usually leave at about an hour and a half. We usually go for about three hours, you know, and and the reason why we can is because we're eating to fuel all of that energy, and then we're playing, you know, five to seven days a week. I mean, we've gotten to the point where we have to we have to play. And when I say we, I mean my wife and I. We always play together, and so so it's just interesting from that perspective because when we talk about effort. That's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about being able to go longer, being able to go harder for longer, all those things matter. And so what happens with performance is you're sitting there and you're running 20 miles or, or you're doing, you know, some kind of, you know, hiking that's really extreme. And then you sort of get frustrating because like your weight's not going down in performance well, your weight's not supposed to go down in performance. You know, some people's weight does go down in performance. Certainly, if you come to us and, you know, let's say you're a 300 pound man and you run a fat loss cycle and, and that fat loss cycle, you lose 40 to 50 pounds. Um, it's very common for you to lose another 20 pounds as you go into performance. And people go, well, I don't get why I'm not in a deficit. Yeah, you are, because what happens is, is that if you were 300 pounds, just getting out of your chair can be exhausting. As you're 250, you're going to get out of the chair more. When you go to the gym, your workouts are going to be more effective. You're going to have more energy. You're going to have more zest for life. All those things sort of matter, right? And that's what I think happens with PR, right? Yeah. As coaches, what we see is, the thousand cuts thing, right? It's just a death by a thousand cuts. And the people that do best at it take it really serious. They do manage their weight on occasion, right? But if your weight's up three pounds and you want to run a fat loss cycle to deal with that three pounds, you know, you're really kind of missing the bigger picture, you know? And you have to allow your, your body to kind of adjust to all these new nutrients and, and, you know, I know for, for myself and, uh, you know, you look at way more files than I do in, on any given day. Um, what we see is that it really is the nature of the relationship with food that changes the most. I mean, I would love, you know, I mean, we give, we get people amazing transformations, you know, but the most amazing transformation is the one that you experienced, right? Where, you just change your relationship with food. And then when you change your relationship with food, most people don't realize being underfed that it takes a toll on their mental health. Now, getting back to the client side of things, I mean, did you feel that at all? I mean, you said you slept fine. Usually if you sleep fine, it doesn't take near as much of a toll um, on, on your mental health. But, but was that part of your experience at all? Absolutely. Um, I feel like 
Well, and at this, at the time of getting into each perform, um, I had just shortly been married previously. And so, you know, marriage is hard as it is, but you're still learning about each other and you're still going through those hardships of, you know, living together and having to adapt and those sort of things. And I found that by underfueling, I was, I was less patient, um, which I mean, <laughs> being married and, you know, having to adjust a bit, it's already frustrating. And so when you start talking I mean, about I'll, the mental, you know, that's your experience. I'll just tell you for 33 years, it's just been bliss for me, but you go oh, ahead. Well, and after about the, I would say after the second or third year of marriage, it's been amazing. I mean, you get into your routines, all it takes is one specific look and he knows exactly what I want. So, you know, men get smarter, women get smarter. Um, but yeah, it's, marriage has been great ever since then. But I will say that a lot of that has to do with food. Um, because if he yeah. is under eating, he is cranky. Um, and so I think that that to me has been just the best experience of all throughout this entire thing is that mental clarity and being able to kind of take on the day because yes, I would sleep good, but I mean, I would run out of energy at five and six o'clock in the afternoon. I'm exhausted. When you so, mentioned coffee, right? Coffee yes. also brings on a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. You know, I notice, yes. you know, whenever I'm super, you know, I have to be cautious in the morning time because I'm, you know, I drink coffee and then I cut it off at 930. But if I'm getting a little, you know, chippy with someone, you know, I, I okay, maybe, maybe I need to be a little bit more aware that uh, the coffee was a little strong this morning or something. <laughs> yes. But yeah. All right. Well, you know, I, I think that that covered a lot of ground. I think, um, you know, the one thing that I think everyone gets to choose who they want to be and who you chose to want to be is actually a little different than a lot of the experiences that, that each performers have. But I, I suspect that there's going to be a couple of people that, that listen to this and go that that spoke to me, right? Because there's so many people that come to us and they wanna lose weight because they wanna just lose that last 10 pounds. And yes. then what they realize is that that last 10 pounds was causing, causing themselves mental anguish. Um, it was, was really unnecessary in a lot of instances, right? Like if you're, if you're eating more, having more starches, getting in workouts, your muscles will start to pop, you know, at a higher weight. So, so it's not all about eating less and being less, right? It's sometimes about, about eating a little bit more. Um, any last, last notes that, that you think people would need to hear um, just before we leave? Cause I, I want to make sure that, that, you know, all your thoughts, you know, got included in this. Yes. Um, well, and I think we covered some good ground for those that hit this early on, but there's a lot of clients that didn't have that benefit when they were 27 years old, but that doesn't make their journey any less accomplishing. It just means that it's going to take longer to get there. And that's okay. Because like you and I said, effort and work will get you there. Um, 
And I know that I won't be 144 pounds for long. I know that someday I'll have kids of my own and I'll gain 30 pounds and I'll manage my weight. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to come right back to it. And that's, that's the biggest thing is be patient, enjoy PR because it has a lot to offer. And I think everyone by this point knows what a fat loss cycle has to offer, but there's so much more beyond that. So just well, the other part to you, yeah, the other part to your story that I think is important because we have a lot of clients that are, are Becky's age is that you are following in Becky's footsteps. And so just because like, you know, you might have to rethink what your situation was, you can actually be an example for the people that are, are looking up to you, right? Because Definitely. I mean, let's be real, you know, I mean, like I, I look at my daughters and, you know, I mean, they're eating Taco Bell fairly often. They're able to manage their weight. It's no big problem at all, but they know how their mom and dad eat, right? And and they can draw from that. And when I say that, you know, they they don't, it's not every meal that they eat. My daughters actually eat pretty healthy, you know, but they also know that, you know, especially, especially for them being active, they're going to require fuel and actually Taco Bell can serve a role in that instance. And so, yeah. all right, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I think a lot of people are going to like these. Um, we are going to start with a few coaches just to see how people sort of respond to this. And then we'll reach out to some of the long-term clients because I have a few people in mind that would be really good for this. So I appreciate everybody being here. And Crystal, one last goodbye to everybody. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you later. Bye now. Bye-bye.